I'm Scott Farber. That other good-looking guy is Larry Mallory. And kind of a somber mode today for our podcast, Larry. We had all these things planned out. But, you know, watching the uh, Monday night football game last night, the Mar Hamlin, a Buffalo Bill safety, um, made what looked like a routine tackle and wound up with cardiac arrest. And I remember, you know, you and I started talking and texting last night. Um, what are your thoughts today? Well, we've had, you know, I've actually had conversations with some of the other former players here in the DFW area. And if you look at that hit, it, it didn't, the hit did not seem as though it would produce the type of results that that young man is in. He's in critical condition. They have him sedated. Um, it, it must have been something relating to the spine and the brain. That's what, you know, we would talk about. Uh, you know, you know, I, was, I, I saw a doctor um, on TV today and it was, I, I got it in passing, but, but what he said w was interesting. You know, there's an electrical system in our body that keeps the heart going. And I, and I don't understand that at all or, you know, uh, on any level, but uh, we have an electrical system type thing in our body. It keeps the heart beating, pumping the blood and everything. And they said that uh, it's very rare, uh, but it does happen. A blunt blow uh, in the exact spot where this one hit in the heart area, in the exact timing in the electrical system is what set it off. So I mean, all these factors. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the final diagnosis or not, but what he was saying was all these factors had to work against uh, Damar to have this happen. And, you know, because like you said, it looked like a routine play. It was a hit, a football hit, but it was one of these, you know, excruciating uh, hits. It didn't seem to be. But I know it brought a lot of fear to all of us. I mean, we all started thinking about the times we've been hit in the chest, you know, playing a sport and whatnot. So uh, I can imagine you football guys really had discussions about it. Well, it, it also bought both to point that that's how we're taught. You're taught to use your head right. to bring down and to tackle, not only on a game, but even in practice. So imagine how much trauma comes to the brain just from practicing and, and just from practicing, honestly. Right, right. So, so what, that's, what it, it, that's what we were talking about when I was discussing it with some of my friends. I said, man, this, this guy had one hit. He's dead now. Imagine how many, you know, we, we've gone through and we're just praying that we're still alive. Right, right. Oh, you know, see, that's the thing. That's what, what got us all thinking. Why, why did it happen to him? Why didn't it happen to us? You know, uh, type thing. You know, there's so many freak things in life, but football is such a violent sport to begin with. Then you start thinking, is it the accumulation of hits? You know, like you were mentioning over over time, um, 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 you know, uh, my wife even, uh, when I told her what was going on, her first thought was he must have broke his neck and cut off the air supply. You know, thank God that didn't happen. I'm, you know, you, you hope and pray that this guy is going to live. They said there's a chance he could have a normal life if he could make it, you know, through certain levels of recovery. But the big question is what really happened? And it wasn't, was it that freak of nature of all those 
you, you know, of at the exact moment the electrical system was in a certain spot, the hit was at the exact spot that was not going to be a good, good thing, you know. And, you know, and imagine this guy. The equipment now is so much better right. than the equipment we use in the older days. So that actually came up in the conversation. He has better equipment. They're they're better at athletes, all in all in all. It's just it's it's, it's terrible. I, I my prayers that go out to his family, uh, the NFLPA, the NFL, everybody's coming in support of 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 his family and and, and that whole now, what is this going to do to the NFL? You know, uh, when CTE came into play, it, it caused a little bit of pause. And and you know better than anybody the effects of CTE amongst players. You know, I think I've talked about it before where on two occasions we were having lunch together. You got a phone call and you said, I got to leave. And it was to uh, assist somebody having some issues because of CTE. You know, um, uh, so we know it's a terrible, terrible uh, traumatic thing to the brain. But this was seen, the effects of this hit was seen by millions of us on live TV. And you saw this young man pop right up and then just collapse. And that's why I think this nation today is horrified. You know, uh, so it's, it, you know, I don't know where do we go from here. I mean, it's terrible even say this, but that game probably will have playoff implications. When do they make it up? If they make it up after the season, then they have to move all the playoff games back and the Super Bowl back. You know what I'm saying? So Very. the NFL has some thinking to do, and yet to go through all that sounds so callous to talk about today. You know, um, and imagine what the players are going Larry, when I saw those players standing and crying um, uh, around them, you knew it wasn't a typical injury. You knew there was some really fear that this young man might have died. Yeah. You know, uh, and you knew immediately there was no way they could play this game. This wasn't everybody watching somebody lose a, uh, a knee, you know, on my seat. You know, uh, you know, Scott, also that I, I recognize because I've seen someone with, Serious head injuries before, but their hands. Did you notice his hand when he raised his hands? His, his, it was like his. Left well, hand. you know, we saw that when Tua got hit that brain concussion. That's right. Sure. You know, you, get, you you called me and go to you to see his how his fingers gnarled up. Yeah. You know, um, I, I didn't notice anything with Demar on that. I mean, I was just so horrified at what we were saying, and I thought. Um, you know, I thought the network handled it the best they could. I mean, you know, the guys talked about it, and then they threw it to the studio. Unfortunately, uh, the studio was prepared just to have conversation. So, I mean, uh, you know, and we're just anxious to hear that he's conscious again. They took him out of his coma. He's breathing on his own. His heart is beating, and, you know, he's going to be okay. You know, last night I saw a doctor said there is a chance for a full and complete recovery. And it's your right. I'm glad you shared that. I'm sorry to cut you, but I did not hear that. Well, that was last night, you know, based on what they were theorizing, what, you know, and I'm not going to even try to pronounce the condition. It had way too many consonants for me. Uh, the trauma to the heart and everything. But it can be a complete 
and you know, God willing, you hope so. Uh, recovery for the young man. Um, you know, so you know, only time is gonna is gonna tell. But how is this gonna change the game now? I mean, next Sunday, would you want to be? You know, are these guys gonna be thinking about how they tackle people? Are they gonna be? You know, it's back to business as usual. Well, that's a great question, Scott. Uh, and you know. Uh... The first thing I start with is that America is a capitalistic country. And so I think the reduction is going to come not in probes, but I think the focus and the reduction is going to come in high school and junior high school, you know, b before the athletes actually are, are, are purely developed. I think you're going to see a reduction in that area of football, uh, you know, for young people. Because yeah. mothers, the first thing came to my mind was, boy, my mom had seen that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. she would not have met me. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, um, yeah, it, it's, 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 um, yeah, his parents, I guess, were at the game watching. You know, I heard that yeah. was in the ambulance. Um, and I'll tell you, I think they would have rather have been with him than not at the game. Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, when you saw these players, that are so violent to each other on the field, you know, when they're playing football and standing and hugging each other, you know, and crying together, you realize how human we get very quickly when the job at hand doesn't matter so much anymore. It's a great point. Yeah, you know, um, but it's really hard to say, you know, what's going to be next week? Is it going to be normal? Are we going to watch the game differently? I know I, I know I did when CTE came out. I know I watched a little bit differently because I, you know, we always used to go, you know, love that violent hit, but then for a while you're going, oh my gosh, you know, hey, you know, just tackle them, you know, you know, uh, save your heads, you know, because we're still seeing the helmets, the helmets, you know, and the, uh, you know, targeting penalties and whatnot. And I don't think any of them are intentional. I just think it's the, uh, like you always say, the speed of the game and uh, how you're taught to make a hit and everything. But, um, you know, I don't. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what's going to be. It's not like this is the beginning of the season. This is one week, and then all the playoffs are decided. So there's a lot riding on this. You know, well, I, think, uh, I, I think you're right, and and I think it's really what I would like to know is the conditions in the locker room. Right. See, you know, that's where everybody comes together in that locker room, and and. I just can't imagine what the discussions are because I'm sure it's relating to <laughs> relating to what you do with your head. Well, you know, and you're you know when you're talking about the locker room, the thing that we also have to keep in the focus that these are young men. I mean, I mean, I hate to say it, but they're kids. A lot of them. That's you know what I mean? Uh, the Mars, twenty-four years old. In in my world, that's a kid. You know what I'm saying? In our world. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I know you're included in the body world. I understand. <laughs> but um, it's really going to be interesting what the league is going to do, decide, and what the uh, how it's all going to be positioned and everything. Um, well, you know, and it's going to be interesting to see over time how parents are letting their kids play football. Definitely that that last statement, but it's also I think it's going to bring the league and the owners 
or the owners and the players closer together because there's going to be discussions, you know, re regarding uh, this effect. Before, this was a normal process in football, but I, I think that there's going to be some unification coming on because football is, is you know, an important sport here in America, and they're going to look to try to, you know, preserve it, but also try to bring DeMar and try to improve the conditions for players. You know, there's one thing I do want to bring up, and, and it's, you know, our years of friendship. I You've pointed it out to me time and time again, and on your TV show, um, uh, you've done it with every player you've had on. And I know we've done it a few times with the podcast, with the shows. And this is about the, the side of the um, football players people don't know. We all have our thoughts and opinions of professional athletes in sports, you know, and, you know, their whole life people have cheered them and everything, and they're just making all this money and everything. But people don't know how much every football player that you've ever pointed out to me gives back to the community, much more so than the average American. And I, I was very interested, and I'm going to want you to talk about that in a minute, because I think there's a great lesson for young people and old people you know, to learn in the giving back. But I guess they talked last night about the Mar has a charity and it raised almost $4 million overnight because of this. It's on GoFundMe, they were saying. I think it's called Chasing M Foundation. It's a toy drive for kids. So here is a young kid, 24 years old himself. He was a backup uh, when the season started. So I don't think he's under a huge contract. I mean, I'm sure he's making very good money, but he's not making the $40 million a year at this point. But yet he's already giving back to the community. You know, it's not like he had to wait till he retired. He's doing it immediately. Talk about, uh, give me a little lesson plan here about the, uh, about, uh, uh, the athletes, especially the football players uh, and their charities and what they do for the communities. Well, you know, one, one, I think you brought up the, the key point is that uh, a lot of us come out of the community. Right. And the communities is where you got started and the communities are, it was, was a major part of support for uh, every athlete, every professional athlete, no matter where the community is. It doesn't have to be the richest or the poorest or the middle, but it, it's it's the, the combination and the support that you get from your community, from your parents, from your friends, and those are the types of things, I think, that helps uh, young athletes to be focused on the things that, especially if they want to play in the, in, in the professional environment, to focus on those things that help you get to that point. Right. And so I, I think it's about motivation. And, and it's reflective, honestly, of even this show. You've motivated me. You, you, got, you are a veteran in, in the television business, and you've motivated me to do a lot of just minor things to be able to qualify to be on the show with you. So I really appreciate it. <laughs> to qualify to be on the show with me is not that any bar very high, Lord. <laughs> all right, let, let me let me try to go uh, somewhere else. It's going to be difficult, but we had all these things planned out. But I just want to briefly touch on it, get your opinion. Lincoln Riley, who coached at OU, now he's coaching at USC, and that was a big deal to OU fans, the way he kind of left, and he took the quarterback with him. But Lincoln Riley is not, uh, although he won a lot of Big 12 titles with, in the five years he coached with OU, 
it might have been all five years. Scott would know better than me uh, if he if he won the title every year. But he has an abysmal record past the Big Twelve title game. He doesn't do well in play the playoffs. He's zero and three. He doesn't do well in the bowl games. Uh, UFC lost yesterday in a come from behind for Tulane. Tulane got, I think, sixteen points in the fourth quarter to beat them. But yet, he had Baker Mayfield, he had Kyler Murray, um, he had Jalen Hurts, and now uh, Gabriel Williams. They all won the Heisman except Jalen Hurts. He came in second to Joe Burrow. So this guy, in his coaching career, if I'm a quarterback in high school, I want him to be my coach. He wins a heck of a lot of football games, but he doesn't do well when the season's over and it's playoff time. So here's my question. Is this guy going to be an NFL head coach or is he just going to be destined to be an NFL quarterback coach? Well, that's a pretty tough question. Um, one thing I think that, that, that could have an impact on that question is uh, it's not what you know, it's who you know. <laughs> and and we, we don't know who he really knows. He's right, in, right. So he might have a path. He might have a path at the NFL that we don't really recognize publicly, but it has a private uh, path to it. Outside of that, I don't have a lot of his history, you know. Um, I don't know a lot of his history, so therefore, you know, his well, qualifications. Like what you're saying, it's like anything else in life. It's who you know. Well, that's that's true. That's true. Look how fortunate I am to know Scott Ford. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> All right. Let me let me ask you uh, uh, another thing. Um, I was going to uh, pick Michigan to win the whole thing, and of course they lost in the in the uh, playoffs. And I was all set to tell you how Harbaugh took an NFL team to the uh, Super Bowl, and then he won a national title in college. So that put puts him in rare air. I, I guess uh, Jimmy Johnson won it with the Cowboys, and the uh, I forgot the team he coached in in Florida there, and he won the national uh, championship. So I was going to ask, do you think Jim Harbaugh is in a better league as a coach than like a Nick Saban or a Lou Holtz, Lou Holtz and Nick Saban? Saban, of course, is the the best college football coach, but he wasn't too good in the pros. And Lou Holtz did not have a stellar performance in the pros. Um, do you think it's hard to coach one over the other? I mean, do you think NFL coaches could be successful in college? Do you think college coaches could be successful in the pros? Which is harder? Um, which is harder? I, I think both are hard, but I, I think that I think a coach is effective throughout the system of sports. You just don't get um, every coach having the opportunity to be a professional coach. You know, being a professional coach, you, you have first you have to have some history, and you got to. Most of them have been through the college system before. Right. I didn't come right out of high school right into professional coaching. Right. You know, and so, so usually, anyone's in the athletic world. Everybody's performance defines what happens to them next. Right. Be it coaches, be it even be it trainers, you know, or or assistant coaches, because 
basically what you're doing is developing guys, you know, in what in whatever the next level is, be it high school to college, college to pros, uh, whatever. And so coaches, I think, all have a very similar personality and a very similar strategy as it relates to winning. Right, right. Well, I, I think, too, it, it, what makes it difficult, I think in college, you're afraid of your coach, you know, to some degree. In the pros, you're going, I'm making 30 million more than you, and you're telling me what to do. I think, I think uh, the pros, how do they grab that and demand that respect and get it uh, from the players? I think the players are easy. Because, well, no, I, I don't, because I think that when you're making the $30 million, he can cut you immediately and put a bad situation out in terms of what you are, and you're not getting picked up anywhere else. You got to make the, top, the 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 pro coach happier than you have to make the high school. Well, you know that that reminds me. A hundred years ago, I uh, was interviewing Hank Stram, coach of Kansas City, and I, you know, and Hank Stram was a short guy. You know, and I'm just thinking of the players, how huge, you know, you guys were. And I'm interviewing him, and I asked him about that. How do you command the respect out of these guys? And he looked at me. You know, now we're talking in the seventies. So he looked at me and he said, Scott, they don't want to be paying fines, so they're going to listen to me. That's right. <laughs> you know, you know girl, back then they weren't making $30 million, so maybe a fine meant something. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's just interesting. All right, let me bring uh, uh, Scott and Zeke on real quick. I just want to get their, uh, their predictions here for the— uh, Bring in the pro. Bring in the pro. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, by the way, do you happen to know how many uh, Big 12 titles OU won under Lincoln Riley? I guess he coached there five years. You know? Yeah, he won four. He lo- he wasn't in the Big 12 title game his last year because he lost so many games. His head was somewhere else during that season, let's just say, right? Well, yeah, you know, but uh, all right, let's not go there. All right, guys, so right now the playoff picture is kind of interesting because there's a lot of implications yet what's going to be, and – the game that wasn't played last night has a lot of implications. But right now at the AFC East, you got Buffalo, New England, Kansas City, the Chargers, L.A. Chargers, Cincinnati, Baltimore, and Jacksonville right now today are in the playoffs. I know that, you know, uh, that can change. Uh, uh, Miami could wind up, you know, getting into the playoffs. I'm just looking at records here. Pittsburgh could still get into the playoffs. But, you know, various things have to happen right now. From the AFC, who do you think is going to be the AFC champion? I'm going to go with the Bills. Zeke, take that. I'll take that. I'd agree with that. Okay. Let's go to the NFC East. Um, We've got Philadelphia that uh, just proved the worth of Jalen Hurts the last couple of games, even though their quarterback has played well. They haven't won. And it's about winning. So you got Philadelphia, Dallas, and the Giants. Uh, Washington had been in it, but I see they fell out. And of course, there's Minnesota and Tampa Bay won their division, San Francisco and Seattle. In the NFC East now, actually, you know, Philadelphia and Dallas, uh, if Philadelphia loses and Dallas wins, then their home field advantage, then they're also, uh, they get a bye the first week. If not, they're going to be like the fifth seed, I guess. So, who's who's got it in the NFC, guys? Who do you think is going to pull it off there? I'm going to go with the Cowboys. 
I mean, you know, you know, I'm from Dallas, obviously, but <laughs> I would have to say that the odds are for the Eagles. All right, all right, guys, we're going to mark it down. We're going to remember it. You know, with like that insight. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you soon. All right, Larry. Um, you know, this weekend is going to be a, uh, um, you, know, you know, everything's going to change. But is there anything on the board that's unusual for you now? Uh, all of a sudden, Kansas City is the top seed uh, because Buffalo didn't get to play last night. But Kansas City is our top seed. And then uh, um, New England, Kansas City, L.A. Chargers, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Jacksonville, Auburn. Um, who do you think is going to come out now, a week later, from when we last talked? That's a great question because I can't see the injury report. Ah, uh, here we go. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Here, here we go. Well, you know, my question, though, is, you know, Buffalo is a great choice, but can Buffalo, are they mentally going to be there? You know, um, that, that I mean, you, you're you right on point, Scott. Uh, that's going to have you know, their conditions right now is going to have an, an impact on them. You know, uh, but honestly, right now at this point in the season and based upon the speed of the game, see, the game right now is is at a great speed. You got a lot of great athletes, but you also have increased injuries. And I think that the injuries in this particular uh, positions have an impact on how things work. Yeah. So that's well, what, you know, and right now, you know, let's face it, nobody's 100%. He's at, at all these football games, you're aching, you know. Uh, and in the middle of a right. pandemic. Yeah, well, and you're right. People don't realize how important, you know, just because the guy's playing, if he's playing at 80%, I sit there and I go, you mean the backup isn't still isn't as good as him? You, you know what I mean? You know, I question yeah. that a lot when you hear, yeah, he's out there hobbling, but he's playing, and I'm going, would the backup be better, though, at this point? Um but I'm going to have to go with Kansas City, and part of it is because Cincinnati and Buffalo both experienced the tragedy, and I just don't know how they're going to be thinking. So I'm going with Kansas City, and it would be uh, kind of a great surprise if Jacksonville came out there and did some damage in the playoffs. Uh, let's let's go to the NFC East. Again, it's Philadelphia, Dallas, and your New York Giants, San Francisco, Seattle, Tampa Bay, and Minnesota. So uh, uh, Brady had two good games here now, and all of a sudden hey. I'm talking about uh, Tampa Bay. I don't see it. It's going to come down to Philadelphia, Dallas, or San Francisco, I believe. And I think... Uh, um, I think Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia... And I wouldn't be surprised about San Francisco. You know, there's just no, you know, and I don't know who their quarterback's going to be because uh, you talk about injuries. They lost their, the franchise quarterback they drafted. They had to go back to uh, Garoppolo. He's hurt. And now they have another rookie playing who's 4-0. and That's true. So, you know, uh, uh, yeah, so we'll see. All right, Larry, I think, uh, I, I think uh, it's a somber day. You know, um, hopefully we're gonna we're gonna start hearing some good news um, uh, about the bar, uh, and uh, uh, you know, better days ahead, and hopefully things will get back uh, back to normal. Let's hope so, and let's keep our prayers 
and hopes and prayers together for he and his family. You got it, man. All right, Larry. Uh, for Scott and Zeke, thanks, thanks to you guys. And Larry, see you next time, buddy. Happy New Year, team. <laughs> Happy New Year.